welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicast.com. My name is Abhishek and joining me over the phone to talk about this issue's cover is the deputy editor Shashir Prasad. Hi Shashir, welcome back. Long time. Yeah, hi Abhishek. Yeah, it's been a while, that's for sure. It's always fun talking to you and this time you've done a cover story on I am Ahmedabad and it is none of those survey-like stories but you take a critical view on I am Ahmedabad where it is today, what is stifling it, and perhaps what it can do to improve. Can you take a shot at explaining what what is the story about and how did you conceive it? One of the triggers or the reasons why we looked at the story was the impending sort of appointment of the new director. The current director, Mr. Samir Barwa's term expires very shortly, and there is a new committee which is looking for the new director. And we thought that it's a very interesting point in Institute's life to look at what it needs to do going forward. So obviously, if you are one of the people who believe that status quo is the best, then I am Ahmedabad is going to be great for whatever it's worth. But there is an equally strong school of thought which believes that the world outside is changing. And so therefore, like all great organizations, it must find a way to reinvent itself before it is forced to. That's what the story is about, that what exactly is the change that is required going forward. But it still is by far the best B-school in India. And one line of reasoning or argument is that when you have students of you know, 99.98 or 99 percentile cracking one of the toughest exams in India, then it ought to be the best school. So what, what are the things that you, in your cover story, you find that needs to be changed in a B-school which is by far the best in the country? Correct. And uh, nothing is ever going to change that. So like you said, the 0.5 percentile sort of make it from the number of people who take the common admission test every year. But if you go back and sort of look at the history of the institute, it is not called a B school, actually. It's called Management Institute. So the original charter, when it was conceived in 62, 61-62 actually, was that it would produce managerial leadership in various areas that India required. Over time, it has got sort of skewed towards producing just for the corporate sector. And even within that, it is very, very good at taking fresh talent, which is guys who have just completed their, let's say, graduation or perhaps their post-graduation and making them into, well, world-class MBAs. But we argue, or if you look at business schools and management schools across the world, be it Yale, Stanford, be it Harvard, they're more than simply producing great students. So it's actually a holy trinity, if you look at it. In a strange way. And the fulcrum is not really producing just great students. That happens to be a byproduct. What you have is a faculty which is doing great research. They're coming up with original ideas in various areas of management discipline. And because they produce these great ideas, the big companies across the world want to get them on board to solve their real-world problems. The faculty armed with original insight in the world of research and practice are then able to mold and able to produce students who understand both the power of big ideas as well as what it takes to make them succeed in the world of practice, where the rubber meets the road, actually. And so, therefore, that's where we think the institute sort of needs to take a leg up. That's interesting because a few days back I read that there is a professor named Professor Narsimham in Carnegie Mellon University where you mentioned about the practical problem. So he is researching on how to solve this problem of how to drive in the night in stormy conditions like if it's raining very heavily right. then you know you can't see the road the headlight illuminates the raindrops 
So they are trying to figure out a way how the headlights will illuminate the road and not the you know raindrops so that you can drive easily. Of course, the applications are in physics, but there surely will be you know papers written or research being carried out in the field of management too. So would you mean to say that the Indian faculty generally concentrates more on just teaching and doing their part-time, let's say, consulting work and less on research? Is that how it works in, in IIM Ahmedabad too? You know, over time it has happened that way. You know, one of the critical things is that you tend to sort of focus on the thing that you've got. So what I have Ahmedabad, and of course I wasn't good enough to get there <laughs> when I wrote the chat test, but those who were are extremely bright people, really smart guys. I mean, statistics in their own uh, you know annual report shows that almost 85% are engineers. Not that engineers are supposedly, supposedly the brighter of the lot, but many of them from IIT. So these guys are really good, but they're raw. And so the refrain when I met various professors, many of whom are not quoted in the story because they did not come on record, but their entire point is that, look, we take guys who are absolutely raw, and in two years' time, we have to convert them into people that are Lehman, oh, sorry, Lehman is a wrong example, <laughs> but maybe a Goldman, <laughs> equally wrong example perhaps, but anyway, a GE or an IBM or whoever wants to hire them will find them truly world class. So you're taking guys who are absolutely fresh in one discipline and moving them across the spectrum of study subjects that management is about and then making them world class. So they say that enormous amount of effort has to be spent on just making these guys get to that level. And so that really leaves very little time to do anything else. Now, somebody could take that as a lame duck argument, but I think it has merit in it. But what next? And that is coming, right? You've got senior executives who want education. You know, if you look at the Nifty 50 or you know, BSE 30 companies, the absolute top echelon, the top 2% or 3% of those companies, I mean, normally they'll go and seek for a, executive education program in Harvard or Stanford or wherever, or Wharton. Now, those guys bring in the top dollars. That's a very profitable game. The Global B schools, they're all coming to India. They're trying to set up research centers. They're trying to you know, set up outreach or remote classrooms here. And, and so that's something that I am needs to sort of think about. So then in, in this, although this is a cliche, but it's a vastly changing environment, even in the business education, so considering these things that are given, so what is the plan ahead? And you mentioned one Mr. A.M. Naik in quite detail. Mm. Who is Mr. Naik to I.M. Ahmedabad and what are the plans ahead? Well, Mr. A.M. Naik is the chairman and managing director of Larsen Tugu, one of the largest companies in India. But that's not the way you describe him in this story. The way we describe him in the story is he's the chairman of the board of governors of the institute. And that board of governors is the body to which the director reports. So the current director's term comes to an end shortly. They're looking for a new one. From whatever we understand, it's very clear that you want somebody who can really take the institute up a few notches. Like you said, if something is very good, then to take it to the next level is even tougher. And IIMs are under the government control. So how much does that help, given that, and how much of it comes in the way? This is not an easy question, simply because one could say that the government gets in the way. The story talks about the example of IIMs. Bangalore, which is, you know, in spite of being under equal government control, has been able to do a few things more. I think the critical factor that has to be sorted out is really the alumni. Look around the world, and we mentioned this in the story, the biggest institute, their best source of funding, long-term funding, comes from their alumni. Because the alumni, as one of the professors quoted in the story, Mr. Shailendra Mehta, he says that there is a sheepskin effect which is that sheepskin was a euphemism for 
the degree that you got from an institute because it was like the second skin that you wore. You were identified by it. You were recognized by it. So who values it most? If you were, let's say, if you passed out from an IIT Bombay or IIT Kanpur or IIM Ahmedabad, you will value that institute much more than anybody else. And so therefore, if you have a proper program where you engage with the alumni, where you tell them what you're going to do, I'm sure they're willing to help. There is a government angle also. A lot of alumni express reservation that, look, I'm not sure if I give them so much money, where will this, all this money be spent? But I think that's a fear. I don't think it's a real fear. I think even the government understands that if there are alumni who are willing to help and if there's a transparent mechanism that can be set up to show where all the funds are flowing, I'm quite sure it can work out. And if you have the long-term funding in, in from the alumni, then the teaching load can come down a little bit. You don't have to chase all and sundry courses that come your way, all the sundry consulting assignments that come your way. You can free up a little bit of time, you can hire faculty, and you can devote that time to some blue sky thinking. So in other words, faculty salaries is one thing that might not encourage too many people to take that job as a, as a faculty, even if you're teaching in the most prestigious B school in India. Salaries is a, is a constraint then? It is. And the situation of Ahmedabad is, is a bit like a company which has, is a little short on shareholders' equity, a little short on debtors' funds. So basically, you are short on net worth and you are using your P&L account to try and fulfill that gap. That is never going to happen because you, you do need long-term capital to sit on your balance sheet, which can fund some of the long-term programs and research is long-term. Unless you get to an apple stage, you can't produce enough cash that you, know, you don't need outside capital. What you need is you need help in terms of long-term fund commitments from alumni. You know, when I spoke to professors, Nobody said that they don't want to do research. But they said there is a practical constraint. We cannot free up because, you know, we need the money. Not just personal account, but more importantly, the institute needs money. And it has only one resource. There is only one cash engine, and that is the professors who teach. So they are teaching all the way to kingdom come. Right. Uh, donations do work wonders. In fact, I read that about two months back, uh, one Michael Moritz, who is a venture capitalist in the U.S., he donated a good 75 million pounds to Oxford University. So so that's what you've asked yourself. There are enough people from IIM Ahmedabad who are really big names in the world outside. And if not 75 million, why can't 15 million come from some of them? That can go a long way. And so why did Mike Morris give that? So that equation has to be worked out. The institute and the alumni have to communicate and communicate real hard. But on the, on the same count, you also quote one of the professors at IIM Ahmedabad who, who says something interesting. He says that IIM Ahmedabad has around 14,000 to 15,000 alumni in 50 years and ISP is about seven to 8,000 in just 10 years. So is it because IIM Ahmedabad offers fewer courses? Is that where they are going wrong? Because continuing from your strain of thought, more the alumni, the better it is for the institute because the odds of getting a donation from them is that much higher and also the placements because you'll have those many more people at high run positions or at least in senior management at most places. Yeah, this is a bit of a counterintuitive thing. You know, the person who told me this quoted Samantha Goshal, who is a very, very intelligent man. So he must have known a few things when he made that statement. But I think it is a great example that look at the brand that is in, in popular press today, the iPod or the iPhone. It's premium, right? It's very good, right? It's probably the best phone of that kind that exists in the world, right? And they're producing millions of them. Does that reduce its attractiveness? So I think what that statement means is that if you have something of good quality, and 
quality being the benchmark. If something is a bad quality, and I would not name the institute, but there are enough XYZ institute, you know them, right? Right. Who came to produce so many institutes. Nobody wants them, right? But if something is of good quality, the more there is, the more it reinforces. Because there are people who hire them, they check back with each other, right? right? They say, hey, oh, you've hired 50 guys from ISB. Oh, yeah. I think they're right. And the other guy says, yeah, I think they're very good. And so there's a confirmation that you haven't bought into something that is dud. And as more and more of them float around in the system, more and more recruiters become convinced of this fact that actually these guys are good and there's enough supply of these guys coming out. I think that's what that statement means. So one final question with your research. Uh, if you were to say that these are the two or three things where a brand like IMA, which is already one of the best in the country, has to rejig itself, then what are those two, two or three things and how can it go ahead? Well, one thing, what I said earlier, would hold true. Reach out to the alumni. I think a lot of them want to give back to the institute. And I spoke to quite a few. So, and I take that as a representative number. Once that money starts to flow in, and there's a way that you've worked out to show how this money is getting used, it will reduce the load on simply you know, occupying all the faculty's time with simply teaching. So there are guys who would want to teach, but there are guys who may want to just teach a little bit, but think about the real problems that the world wants answers to, India wants answers to. Like you said, you spoke about an engineering problem, which is like you know, driving through the rain. Yeah, but there is enough stuff here. There's Colgate happening there. There is Spectrum happening there. What about an innovative way to price Spectrum, for instance? How should refarming be done of Spectrum? How should coal blocks be allocated? Should compensation systems for CEOs in India be any different from what it is around the world? I mean, have we had an original voice on that? So maybe some professors will come up with answers for this. Once you have long-term capital, you can reduce your pressure on internal accruals a little bit, do more research, which drives up the faculty reputation, which also creates an environment where some of people, professors around the world say, hey, look, money may not be very great there, but I think there is a wonderful intellectual environment there. Let me go and spend a few years doing some research which an emerging market like India will let me do, and then teach some students there. It'll work. Obviously... I'm making it sound much easier than what it is supposed to be, but then that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on, on, on that note, time to wrap up. And all you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as TheIndicast.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and to get a copy of Forbes India or to have somebody contact you, just message Forbes to 51818. You can now get the latest issue of Forbes India for free by downloading the Maxter app on Android or iPad. The free offer is only for the first three months, after which it will be available for you as a paid option. And very soon, Forbes India will also have its dedicated newsstand app for the iPad. Thanks a lot, Sishi, for your time. Thank you, Abhishek. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you.